At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. This is Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is firmly bound together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you this morning for your faithfulness and your provision and your love and your care for us. We thank you for your word today. And we would pray that you would lead us by your word, that you this morning would speak here and that your people would be encouraged, Uh, Lord, that we would be corrected, that we would be comforted, that we would be challenged, Uh, Lord, that we would grow in Christ. And so, Father, help us in that. And as we we look to you to learn this spiritual habit and are formed into the image of Christ, would you get great glory. So humble our hearts today, move us in you. And be lifted up, we pray. Help us by your spirit now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, is Sunday important to you? How much do you value Sunday, and and particularly uh, Sunday morning? Maybe the better question is, what does Sunday mean to you? What is is it in and of itself uh, within your life? What What kind of value does it register as having? Culturally, Sunday is a part of uh, it's a part of the weekend. It's you know the the last day in the weekend to finally rest, to finally to, to to come down from the busyness of the week. And yet, there's a little bit of that anxiety as as Sunday goes on about the work week coming ahead. And so Sunday kind of sits as that middle ground of like, yes, it's not quite Monday, but it's it's certainly not Saturday anymore. But it's just this maybe in between time. Sunday has become a time off a moment for us, a time to relax, a time to to work on that home project or take care of one more thing on the honeydew list. Maybe uh, it's it's time to uh, to watch sports and to to be about whatever the kids are about. But it's not time to engage in your regular job. I read an article this last week from the Atlantic about what they call Sunday scaries. It's the realization that Monday is coming and it's coming quickly. And with that, all sorts of pressures mount up. In the article, it talked about the analysis of time, and they they state there, one analysis of time use data from 1981 to 2005 that tracked paid chores and work and shopping and childcare found, and I find this interesting, that Sundays became busier and behaviorally closer to a weekday than it was even at the beginning of the 1980s. Sundays is starting to look more like Monday or Tuesday than it is Saturday, a day of rest. 
The author continued to state the change would probably become even more obvious if one were to go back to some of the older data sets, like one from 1968 in Washington, D.C., where they noted that Sunday meals at home occupied more than 90 minutes of the day and shopping only eight minutes of the day. What does Sunday mean for you? What do you, what do, you do with, with Sunday? In the church, among Christianity, at least in the last uh, 100 years or so and, and longer, Sundays has traditionally been the time to, to go to church, to worship, have a family meal together, and, and be with others in your family, and then to rest and to, to cease, to stop. And yet, we've filled up Sundays with a whole lot of other things, youth sports, activities, catching up on the shopping, getting to the grocery store one more time, doing everything we can to prepare for the work week ahead. And so, we mock those who take Sunday off, and we elevate ourselves, and even culturally, it's fun to mock Chick-fil-A when they're taking Sunday off, and yet we look at it and go, we've got to work more. I'm sorry they're closed today, so if you want a chicken sandwich now, um, you're going to have to choose another place. But what do we do with Sunday? How do we value it? What does it mean to our lives? Is Sunday just another day in which we can do what we normally want to do, or is it something more for us? Has God designed a day for us to, to... live in a different way from the world? Has God given us a rhythm of life that perhaps is unique and set apart from the way the world lives that we aren't engaging and valuing and enjoying as God has given us? Uh, As I mentioned, I'm taking us to Psalm 122 this morning in order to talk about the spiritual habit or the spiritual discipline of rest, of Sabbath. And I want to help us see the importance of Sabbath itself as a spiritual practice, but also to help us see Sabbath as a spiritual practice that is necessary for us together, the church family. I want to ask if you're engaging the habit of Sabbath or the the practice of Sunday for the good of your heart and your soul, or is it just Sunday, just another day with a multitude of things to do and a multitude of actions to engage in, and yet are your priorities really exposed? I think the way that we practice Sunday or the way that we practice Sabbath really will display what is most important in our lives and what we, what we value deeply. And perhaps we are missing a means of grace for us to walk in the rest and the mercy of God day by day. Well, let me help us by, I used a word here that maybe you're unfamiliar with, this word Sabbath. I want to help us define what that is and then take us into Psalm 122 to help us know how to practice Sabbath. What does the word Sabbath mean? You may have heard this word culturally, certainly used in the Jewish faith. Sabbath is a Hebrew word. It's in the Bible. It means literally that it's the practice of stopping. That's what the Hebrew word literally means, to stop or to rest, to cease from activity. Sabbath itself as a practice, it's not just taking a day off, it's not just adding in an extra vacation day, it's not just doing whatever we'd like, but in the Scriptures, the practice of Sabbath has a very specific point and purpose to it. It's stopping with a purpose, or as Eugene Peterson puts it, Sabbath is one of the important acts in a life of discipleship. Sabbath is one of the important acts in a life of discipleship. The practice of Sabbath itself, it's not 
something that was invented in the early 20th century. It wasn't made by some sort of rigid, legalistic, puritanical people to kind of force everybody to stop working and to come to church and to listen to sermons or that sort of thing. Sabbath, historically, it actually goes back to the very beginning, back to creation itself. God Himself created Sabbath. If you go to Genesis 1 and 2, you see there God creating everything in the universe by speaking it into existence, and He even sets out a pattern of time, a rhythm of a week. He creates, and on the first day, there's, He's creating and speaking. On the second day, and as the rhythm goes on, we get to the seventh day, and there the Scripture says that on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He Sabbathed. He stopped. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God himself initiates the pattern and the rhythm of work and rest, starting and stopping. And he, example, he, he lays out before us, he imitates before us the way of stopping from what we're doing. Furthermore, God himself commanded it in the Ten Commandments that he gave to Israel as they were coming out of Egypt. The fourth commandment Remember the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath day. Observe the stop day, as it were. Keep it holy. God has commanded His people in Israel and the church today to stop once a week, to observe and to remember and to keep a day for Him. It's a day for us to pause and to stop as He has commanded it. Even Jesus Himself modeled for us a pattern and a habit of stopping and resting he himself, as a Jewish man, practiced and kept the Sabbath perfectly. He observed it well. He stopped. And even when the religious leaders tried to, to confound him and to trap him in his keeping of the Sabbath, Jesus helped reorient them away from their legalism about what the Sabbath should and shouldn't be and showed them how to walk in a way of stopping weekly and worshiping. Jesus himself attended the synagogues in worship. He listened to the word. He taught the word. He himself declared that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Sabbath, stopping, was created not for us to fall under a legalistic constriction, but to serve and to help us as his people to rest and to prioritize him above everything else. The Bible story tells us even that the church stopped the church practiced Sabbath. In moving the day from Saturday, where the Jews worship, to Sunday, recognizing the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the church continued the practice of one day a week stopping and resting together for the sake of God. And so they gathered on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. And that has been the regular, habitual, clear practice of God's people in the church for millennium. Since the resurrection of Jesus, the church has been gathering, stopping to worship. The apostles taught and set aside Sunday, set aside their normal activities to give attention to something far greater and more worthy than anything in the universe. So, so we would ask, if, if God has created Sabbath and He has commanded Sabbath and Jesus has modeled Sabbath and the church tradition has continued Sabbath, what about us? What does the practice of Sabbath, this, this stopping, really look like for us as Christians in the 21st century, North America today? What should we be looking to? Well, let me give you this definition of Sabbath for us, what it, what it looks like for us. Sabbath is the people of God together stopping 
to be with God. This spiritual rhythm that God has given for our growth and formation and development is this. It is the people of God, you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, together stopping to be with God. It's a prioritizing of being in the presence of God, to worship God, and to be unified by God regularly for His name's sake. Psalm 122 takes us into that life. It shows us as followers of Jesus what this looks like. Now, these psalms, if you were to start in Psalm 120 and go to Psalm 134, you would find each of them has the inscription above it, a psalm of ascent. Now, these songs were sung and prayed by the people of God in Israel every time they went up to Jerusalem for a, a festival or for a celebration. So the festival of Passover or the Feast of Booths, whenever Israel was going up to Jerusalem, they would pray and sing these songs on the journey. They were discipleship songs, songs that gave them spiritual formation and helped them know what were the ways to walk in of God. And so we find this psalm as they are headed up to Jerusalem as a psalm of calling the people together for worship. It's a psalm to help them practice Sabbath and for us to practice Sabbath well together. I love in this psalm how it shows us the importance of being together, the people of God, stopping to be with God. I want to show us this morning in this passage what this practice of Sabbath, of stopping to be with God, really looks like and how we can do that well. Let me show you these three things. First of all, Psalm 122 begins to show us that Sabbath is this practice. It is that we stop, we stop to be together with God. I recognize this morning I'm probably preaching to the choir a little bit because you might be thinking, well, I'm here. So what's this going to have to say for me? I showed up today. But this is important for us to see. The Scripture here tells us that we stop. Sabbath is the practice of stopping together with God, in order to be with God. Look at what David says. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. You get this this note. This is sung in a a major key. David is happy. He's, he's, He's sounding forth the verses of joy and gladness. It's a good thing. He's like, wow, so incredible, so great. I'm so happy that today I got invited in and I got called. He was, he was glad to be a part of a gathering. Now think about this here in their context. This, this sound, this call would go out regularly within the year, even weekly, the, the joining of worship in the synagogue. And it was a call to stop what they were doing. Hey, hey, put, put down the shepherd's staff. Don't watch the sheep this week. Pack up the house, stop the domestic affairs, load up the mule, load up the donkey. We're all going to Jerusalem. Just stop what you're doing. It's time to arrive in Jerusalem to worship God. How would you, how would you, how would you feel if you were told just to pause everything? Don't, don't care for the field this week. Pause everything and show up to worship. Would you be able to say with David, I was glad when that call came. Now, so certainly in our hearts, there might be a sense of like, whew, it's been a rough week, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Okay, that's kind of a, a refreshing thing. But my sense is, at least in my own heart, I'd be a little annoyed, I, especially with all the things I've got to do, right? Like I've got my inbox just abounding and overflowing with email. Like I got, I got to take care of that, you know, or there's people to meet or there's, there's things to do. My honeydew list is stacking up and now you're telling me to stop all of that and show up to be with God? Like, Ooh, 
I don't know if I'd be happy about that. I may be annoyed. And yet this is what the act of Sabbath is. It's stopping from our work, stopping from the ordinary things of life, stopping from what we perceive as priority to give something else priority. We might say, well, what about? What about, what about the harvest? What about the kids' sports? What about my unanswered emails? What about, what about? The Sabbath is a gift from God telling us to stop laboring, cease striving. And so the, the question comes out, when, you're set, when you hear the call, come to worship. Let's be in the house of the Lord. Could you say, yeah, I'm glad when that call comes. I, I want to prioritize that. It's where our priorities are examined and seen. David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He, he speaks in about what they're going to do. They're going to be in the presence of God. As they go up to Jerusalem and up to the temple, they're not just stopping to take a vacation day. They're not just stopping to, to get some time off. And those things are well and good, and we should have those. Take your vacation time. It's important. But here they're prioritizing. We're stopping to do something else, to be with God. We're going to quit caring for the sheep this week. We're going to stop the harvest. We're going to not worry about whatever it is. And we're going to prioritize being in the house of the Lord. Let's be in God's place together. It's time for Him. This is what Sabbath is for us as a church. The people of God coming together to hear the Word of God, to sing the praise of God, to celebrate the ordinances that God has given His church, to be led by spiritual leadership in God's church, Sabbathing is being together, and, and notice who's involved. David doesn't have, you know, I was glad when they said to me, go to the house of the Lord. Just do it by yourself. Get off on your own. Sabbath isn't an individualistic enterprise. It's not a spiritual practice that, that you can do well on your own. Sabbath is a, a community practice. So they say, I was glad when they said to me, David says, when I, was, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We're going together. We're rounding up one another. We're getting in the place of God together as one people. And, and, and they sing and they celebrate this. I love how verses 2 uh, and 3 and 4 and 5 just show us the city nature of the church gathered or the, the people of God gathering together. David expresses this song being sung within the very gates of Jerusalem itself. He says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. He's like, we got into the city, and we're here, and we're ready together. We're, we're in close proximity to one another. The point is that this is where the psalmist sees not just an individual pursuing God, but a community pursuing God, a city pursuing God together. God's people in God's place, worshiping God together, all together, all stopping their normal, ordinary lives to be with God. Sabbath, or stopping, is a spiritual practice for us together, all stopping at the same time. If you ever have heard a, a symphony 
play a magnificent orchestral piece, you notice something about the way they work together. You've got all the instruments, you've got the woodwinds and the, the horns and the percussion and the, and the strings, and they're all playing their parts, some of them even playing variations or different parts of one another, and they're all operating and being led together and producing a beautiful sound together. And if you know anything about music and how it's written, there comes across in the sheet music a point where there's rest notes, notes of stopping. And if an orchestra is really operating well together, if they're in harmony with one another, they all stop at the same time. As the conductor leads, they know when to pause and stop. And you can, you can tell when the orchestra is maybe not as excellent as they could be, or, or maybe they're not paying attention to one another, when they hit one of those pause notes, one of those stops, and somebody keeps going. They just keep pressing on. Sometimes you can find that here is we're singing together, and I get a little excited, and if you're just up here in this moment of the room, you may hear me jump ahead of the rest of everybody because I'm ready to sing the next line, and it's a little goofy and embarrassing, but I do it anyway. Sabbath is us together stopping the ordinary stuff of our lives as a church, as a people of God saying, we want to be in God's presence. We want to give our attention to God. We want to be collectively with Him. So what does this, what does this mean? If Sabbath is the habit or the practice of stopping together to be with God, I think there's a few things that we can draw out of that. First of all, we have to make this practice, we have to make stopping to be together a priority. We, we prioritize the things that we love, the things that are most valuable to us. It's, it's sad to me, and this is pre-COVID even, that the average American Christian attended worship gatherings less than two times a month. That's just the average Christian church attendance in America pre-COVID. How has that changed even today? Sunday, our gathering to be together in God's presence should be something we prioritize. It should be something we plan on and we plan around. We schedule it. We prioritize it. One pastor in Florida who I follow on Twitter, he, he likes to say this rather frequently, Sunday morning is a Saturday night decision. Prioritizing, being with the people of God means that we, we prioritize it and think about it on Saturday. We, we want to plan to stop together to be in the presence of God. So we, we make it a priority. Secondly, we make it a rhythm. It's something that happens weekly. We need to gather together to be in the presence of God together frequently and weekly. Sabbath for the Jews was practiced weekly. God gave us a weekly rhythm of, of working and then stopping to be with Him. Keep the Sabbath day holy as the fourth commandment has taught us which includes stopping to gather for corporate worship, resting, and being together. And furthermore, we need to make this Sabbath resting, the Sabbath stopping, to be with God communal. It's got to be together, us in the church, in the room, worshiping God. There's, there's this funny idea in, in Christian culture today that you can just do Sabbath on your own, that you can just kind of Go off, find a day where you want to have a day off and just kind of float out into the wilderness and have fun. The Bible doesn't speak of Sabbath that way. It speaks of Sabbath as a communal activity, as a communal enterprise. 
We Sabbath together, not on our own. Yes, the Bible speaks about silence and solitude. Jesus practiced those things. They're excellent spiritual disciplines and habits. But the regular weekly rhythm of gathering is important to the life of the church. So do you prioritize it? Is it something that you value? Truly Sabbathing is stopping together to be with God. He wants to meet us here. He wants to show us His grace. He wants to work within us. And that leads into the second thing here in verses 3 through 5 is that Sabbath is this, that we stop to be together to worship God. Sabbath has something about what we do with regard to who God is and and with regard to His greatness. It's a a relationship that we have in which we orient ourselves to Him. So so what do we do when we do this Sabbath practice of of stopping to be together with God? Well, do we just hang out? Do we just kind of feel our way through seeing each other and do whatever we like and make our own rules? Are there there any kind of instructions or parameters in this? You remember here in Psalm 122, David is describing the people of God going up to worship God in the city of Jerusalem, in Zion. They're there as a community. Verses 3 through 5 speak about what that community is doing and and what they look like. Verse 3, he describes this city, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as it was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. So the first thing you see is this city, this this community together. And this community is, as David describes it, is a community that is bound firmly together. He's speaking here of the organization and the structure, the soundness of the city. The city here is a paradigm for the church. David here speaks about our worship being organized and unified and in harmony together. It's not just haphazard, not just chaotic, not whatever we feel like. Hey, somebody wants to throw in a word there, and we didn't plan for this and this or that. That's why we organize our worship gatherings. It comes from the New Testament scriptures that Paul said to the Corinthian church that all things should be done decently and in order. That's why our teams plan and practice, and we, we gather together in order so that we can magnify God well. The city is bound firmly together. It's sound in its unity and orderliness. And then he speaks about the nature of the church. Well, you think about this, verse 4, he says, to which the tribes go up. You could see the various tribal identities that Israel had at that time. You could see them kind of strutting in with their banners. Well, we're, we're of the tribe of Judah. We're of the tribe of Benjamin. We're the Danites. We're from Ephraim. And on and on, the 12 tribes just kind of strutting their stuff. We're Levites and, and being proud and set upon their distinctiveness. And yet, as they gather together, all the banners of their tribes are dropped. They go up together to be one people, the people of God, of Israel. And so whatever would separate them, whatever would be the distinctive marks that they would say, well, this makes me that. When they're in God's presence, they aren't those things. They are God's people. There's a unifying reality to it and a distinctiveness of we must drop the tribal things that define us. And as we gather together with God's people, be the people of God together. The tribes come and they come to the Lord and they are there before Him with one another in unity stopping 
for God. And then the purpose of what they're doing is laid out at the end of verse 4. This was decreed for Israel. This is commanded by God. This is what we should do as God's people even today. We come together to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We as a church are stopping together when we Sabbath for God. Ultimately, our worship gatherings are for Him. They aren't primarily about us. They're not primarily for us. Yes, we want you to hear from God. We want you to receive His grace. We want you to to know His Word and grow in Him. But when we gather to worship, our worship gatherings aren't primarily about you or for you. They are about Jesus. They are about Him. We seek to put the spotlight on God. Our worship services aren't to be an entertainment show or a performance for you. They're not to make you go away and say, boy, I'm so glad that I'm so great. They're for us to gather together in this space to lift our eyes to God's grace, to help us see Jesus and to what He has done for us. We do this in a couple ways. Notice here what Israel was decreed to do. When they got together to worship, number one, they were there to give thanks to the name of the Lord. As they gathered in the city, as they celebrated in the festival, as they gathered in their synagogues, they were there to thank God and to to look upon His excellent grace and goodness. They were there to see God's love for them and mercy and how He had called them out of Egypt. We are here to see how God has rescued us from our sin and rebellion through Jesus Christ, how He has forgiven us and canceled the record of our sin that's held against us through Christ's death, how He has raised us up with Christ and called us His own. And in seeing the excellence and the worth and the glory and the holiness of God, we're to say, thank you. Thank you, God, for your mercy and provision and love and care. You're so worthy and excellent. Imagine this. Imagine coming across someone in desperate need. You're at home one day. Somebody starts knocking on your door, just pounding on it deeply. You go to the door. You're a little taken aback, and you open up, and you find this person that's just utterly broken. They're penniless. They're hungry. They're hurting. They're in the worst possible condition. And in you and your mercy and grace, you, you welcome them in, your kindness to them, your compassion. You serve them. You care for them. You feed them. You give them a place to stay. You run off their abusers. You love them. And imagine that person comes into your home. They become part of your family, and they never say thank you. <laughs> really offensive, right? They never acknowledge you. In fact, they start to complain. They, they tell you the meal that you served, eh, it was subpar, could get, could get a better steak down the road. They don't like the way you decorated the room that they gave you to sleep in. They tell, they find some other people that you've brought in and been merciful to in the house, and they start picking on them and telling them that they're annoying. They just start making a mess and disturbing what you've done, and they never, ever acknowledge or give, show gratitude. In fact, they just start a complaint list. I don't like how would you feel, right? We'd be put off, to say the least. We'd be unmoved by it, or we'd be frustrated by that. When we gather together, are we making our worship about us? Because if we are, we're really just worshiping ourselves. We're the God. Sabbath calls us to stop 
and to see the grace of God, to see his mercy and power, and to give thanks to him. And we do that together. We're gathering as a city, as a people, together, acknowledging he is the provider, he is the rescuer, he is the giver. Too many of us today expect our Christian services to be about ourselves, and so we complain. We don't give thanks. We're gathering to give thanks to God for His mercy. We're gathering as well when we Sabbath to worship. We're also gathering to be led by Him. Verse 5, David said, There the thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. The term judgment there is literally justice. In Israel, as they would go up to gather and worship, as they were there to Sabbath, that would be the time in which justice was issued. Some of the disputes and the, the fights that were happening among the people of God, there the king and the, his courts would issue decrees. They would settle disputes. They would make things right and, and lead. Even we as a people of God are here to be led and to be ruled. We're here to be ruled by the word of God. Jesus is the one who sits on the throne of David. He is the eternal king. And so as we gather, we're here to listen to Jesus' word, to let Jesus as king rule and reign over our lives from what he has declared and commanded. I'm an ambassador. I'm a herald to you of what King Jesus says. And so I'm not going to feed you my opinion and, let, and try and find what the Bible says to match my opinion and give it that way. No, it goes the other way. I'm under obligation to teach you what Jesus says, and my opinion is to be corrected and formed, as is yours, by Jesus and his word. The word leads us. Here the people of God gather to hear his word, to be mapped out and be led by King Jesus. Sabbath calls us to stop, to be in the presence of God together to stop and to worship God together through our giving thanks and through hearing his word and being led by him. So we let Jesus speak as the king. We let the Bible direct and correct and build our opinions. So let, let me come back to the, what this means for us. Here's the practice. We must stop together, regularly practicing the habit of gathering to worship as God's people weekly, regularly, as a priority and a practice. There we hear the grace of God, we give thanks to Him, and we grow. And we must stop together to give thanks. Get here to worship. And I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You're like, yes, check it off. I showed up. Good, I'm glad. But is this a, is this a habit for your life? This is why we encourage you to get here in this room, to give thanks, to participate in worship. Again, worship isn't just a spectator sport. It's not just a show that we're putting on. You can hear better speeches from somebody else or a TED Talk. We're here to participate together in worship of God. And we're stopping together in Sabbath to be led by God, to let God set the agenda for our lives, for Him to rule and to reign. And we humbly submit and are led by King Jesus through His Word. Sabbath is the practice of stopping together to be together, to be with God, and stopping together to worship God. And thirdly, Sabbath is the practice of stopping to be unified together by God. Here's where God wants to minister and do something in and among us together. This is why Sabbath isn't something you can practice on your own. It's a community event. Here's what David says. As they're gathering, as they're beginning their worship, verse 6, he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The Sabbath here, as David speaks of it, as the people are gathering to worship, he he calls them to pray. Here's the action. I want you, David says, as a community, as you gather, as we get together, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray for peace for this place, for this city. This is not a call to literally pray for the city of Jerusalem in the Middle East, although there's nothing wrong with that. This is a call for us to pray for the community of God and to pray for the peace of the church of God, God's people together. David calls us to pray, and he calls us to pray in this way for this peace among us so that we experience the security and the pleasure of God. Notice that the end of verse 6 here, he, he begins to speak and he, and he issues kind of a call to people. It's, it's kind of like, hey, when you're standing around the room together and you see one another, here's what you should say to one another. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. We're just looking across the room and saying, hey, peace be with you. We love you. Security in your life here. This is a, this is a place of safety. It's a place of shelter. It's a place of sanctuary for us. This is what the church is to be, a place where sinners can come in and know that they are loved and that they are safe in Christ, a place to know where God's grace abounds, even to the worst of sinners, and to know the peace of God among us. That's what we labor to. That's what we want to have and see. And so that requires not only praying for peace, but it requires us to pursue peace together. And so he says in verse 8, for my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. As we gather together, as we're in the room together, can we say that about one another and for one another? Sabbathing, stopping as a people of God together, it puts us in the place of that. It puts us in in the opportunity for that. It's really hard to worship God well when you're at odds with one another. And imagine, imagine the journeying up to Jerusalem that these people would have. They're coming from hundreds of miles away to get to the city to enjoy the festival. The mule is packed up. I mean, if you've been on a road trip with anybody for more than 10 minutes, you know how hard that can be. You know the disputes that can go on. If you have little kids in the back and they start crossing the invisible barrier and touching each other and taking each other's stuff, you just hear, you know the frustration. I'm yelling back at the kids, stop it. There's no peace when we get together. So here they're coming in and they're traveling and they need that peace. As they get in the room, as they get in the space of God's presence together, David is saying, we've got to pray for it and we've got to seek it. So we've got to call out to one another, peace to you. We've got to pursue it, lay down the things that divide us, lay down the things that cause us to be at odds with one another. Sabbathing, stopping and resting in what is most important in the presence of God reorients reorients us to that. It helps us see we are all broken. We're all sinners. Your sin may look a little different than mine. It's just as big. We need Jesus. There are no experts here. We're all novices in grace. We're all children. So we cry out for peace with one another. We We lower our guard, we lower our pride, we humble ourselves, and we say, for God's sake, 
for your sake, peace. Sabbathing together is a means by which God unifies us together. Again, we can't worship well when we're at odds with each other. And so we must pursue peace. We must pray for it. And as we seek that peace and as we pursue it with one another, it becomes a lightning bolt to the community of the love and peace of God. This is what verse 9 says. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And David here is thinking about the people of God worshiping. And he's thinking about the name of God and how God's reputation is displayed in all the nations. And he's saying if, if the nations see us at odds with one another, fractured, broken, in disunity, they're going to laugh at us. They're going to mock at us. But as we gather together, as we pursue and pray for peace, as God gives that among us, it calls us to seek the good of one another. And he says that's for the name and the reputation of God, which is why we gather and worship. Stopping together means we commit ourselves to God and to each other and seek His grace to unify us. You see, the problem is the world already sees a fractured and divided and at each other's throats church. They only have to have looked at us for about five minutes in this last year to see we're all over the place. And they see that and they say, if that's what it means to be a Christian, don't want anything to do with it. I'll I'll keep my Saturdays and my Sundays, thank you very much to myself. I don't need that. But if the world sees a compelling vision of the people of God united together in worship to God, seeking the good of each other, For the name of God, that speaks. That's attractive and compelling. How does that come about, though? It comes about by stopping together to be with God, under God, for one another. That's what Sabbath is. It's us stopping together to get into the presence of God. Say, Lord, here we are to be attentive to you. Would you lead us? Would you speak to us? Would you unify us? Would you show us your glory so that we can give you thanks? Friends, does the Sabbath have that place in your life? Does it, does it become a priority for you? Now, there's a lot going on in our world and our time. There's a lot of things that we can be doing, a lot of priorities we can have. But I'm convinced that we don't prioritize God as we should as a church, and we become more comfortable with our own comforts, we become more consumers of religious goods and services, than we have become a people attentive to God together, which is why we need to come back to the spiritual habit of Sabbath, together, in the church, in the presence of God for one another, for the glory of God. What would that tell and show the world? Friends, I know that He will meet us in that. God will guide us in that. He will bless us in that. And it will be all the more reason for us to give Him thanks. So let's Sabbath together well as the means of God for our grace. Let's make Sundays really important and value Jesus. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for your grace. You've taken a broken people, a divided people, a rebellious people, and you've loved us. You've, you've shown us Jesus. You've given him for us. And so we need you. And we pray, Father, that we would make the priority and the habit of gathering together truly valuable. That we would or- organize and structure our lives around you and not expect you to be the one to adjust yourself to us. Help us to worship and give you thanks. Help us to trust you more and more. You are faithful and good, and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.